on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. People always ask me like, man, why did you leave something that you helped build for 10 years? And it wasn't an overnight decision. It took a lot. It took a lot of crying myself to sleep. I'm not scared to say that. It was my baby. I built yeah. that thing from the ground up, but I just feel like you can only do so much. You can only be so much until you start becoming complacent or comfortable. I take some steps back to really find who I am as a business owner to move forward. They caught me lacking one time and it's never happening again. It only takes that one time. And I got, yeah, all kinds of stuff now. If they can steal the car now, you can keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. It's yours. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, Gathering the Kings Nation? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast today. Vincent Guerra on the King stage, my dude. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I just want to first off thank you for having me on here, man. This is I love sharing information with people, especially entrepreneurship information. So I appreciate you having me on here. Absolutely, dude. We appreciate you taking the time. It's a big deal, and uh, and I think the listeners know that. But for them to hear it one more time that they're lucky to have a guy like you here today is good. Vincent, tell me what kind of business that you have, man. So currently I am in auto rentals. So I own a luxury auto rental company. We have economy cars as well, but focusing on the luxury aspect of it all. And yeah, basically I started this in February of this year. Um, Kind of a a whole new industry. I own a luxury auto rental company. We have economy cars as well, but focusing on the luxury aspect of it all. And yeah, basically I started this in February of this year. Um, Kind of a... whole new industry to me to me i got the business aspect down but i don't know anything about the auto rental company so i just uh, i'm always i've always been wanting to just throw myself into a situation to start swimming yeah that's what i did with this cars have always been my passion Um, sure sure i've always i've built cars worked on cars and just i was like man you know what i'm at a point now where i can buy some cars that maybe some other people can't afford at the moment, but I want to be able to give them that experience to be able to see what it's like to be able to drive one of these cars. So that's why that was one of the main reasons I wanted to get into the auto rental industry. That's incredible. And I know obviously you have a successful track record from you chatting with my team and stuff ahead of time. I want to give you a chance to talk about some of your previous business endeavors and some of the success you've had before throwing yourself into a brand new industry. Yeah. But before we do that, I want to know what makes you tick. Like even just like what I was just saying, you've already been successful in previous things. For you to throw yourself randomly into an industry where you softly, very softly said, I can afford to buy some cars that other people can't. That means you could probably sail away and not have to worry about it, but you're not, you're pressing in. What makes you tick? Why are you doing it? Honestly, man, it's, let me hold up these two, pick this picture right here. I don't know if you can see it. it's uh, yeah. these two right here, my daughter and my son. I, I want them to honestly, yeah, man, that's really what it is, man. It's being able to give them something that I didn't have growing up a single mom, sitting on the floor with her middle of the night, her not knowing how she's going to make ends meet. And yeah. 
that constant reminder of what I don't want my kids to go through is what gets me up. It's my why. I get up every day. And uh, that's why I push, man. That's why I push. That's why I jumped out of that industry. Yeah, like I said, I said it a little softly, but yeah, to be honest, man, I cannot work for the next, after selling a previous company, I cannot work for the next 10 years and be perfectly fine. But that's not what I want to show my kids. I got to show my kids with them at the ages now where they're growing, um, growing up fast. uh, I got to show them that just because your father is successful doesn't mean that you're going to get whatever you want. So I got to be the the thing that they see every day that, gosh, dang, man, if I want all these cool things, or I, if I want to be able to do what I want to want when I, or excuse me, if I want to be able to do what I want when I want to, yeah, I got to put in the work. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that uh, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And the example that you're referring to, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I think some think about it from a, from an angle of, okay, I'm dad or a mom, and I'm trying to give an example. A lot of times I think we get swept away and trying to provide the life that we didn't have. Yeah. Also coming from a single mom family myself, there's several things that I appreciate that I was, maybe I was forced to go through them, but I appreciate it. And I'm so curious. I had this conversation ever so often with certain folks, especially guys that they maybe came from a similar background like we did. What do you think for your kid's sake, what kind of simulation or maybe what kind of experiences do you hope to give them that maybe aren't roses <laughs> so that they can you know, develop some of the same things that, that you and I had to develop? You know what I mean? Oh, that's huge, man. That's a great question. One thing is the work ethic. I, If they want something, it's never handed to them. And I instill that in them. Just like my son's four years old. So he's still, he's not even at the age where he, he could probably understand a little bit, but it's yeah. just, it's being able to explain to them. I think uh, if you want something, it's not going to just be handed to you. I will, I'll show you how to, I'll give you that little upside, but yeah, it's not going to be handed to you. So if you want something and you really want it, then you got to show me that you are going to put in the work to get it. And I think different, there's going to be different trials and tribulations that my kids go through and kids everywhere are going to go through. But as long as they have that, so that just that, that person to lean on, to be able to show them, Hey, you're not just going to have things handed to you. I think it's just going to be like a snowball. Once, once they get it, then they'll be able to start running with it a little bit more themselves. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm always constantly, and not only do I agree with you, but I'm looking for, circumstances to be able to bridge the gap. I'll give a one quick example here. My, my kids wanted to, they want to go to the pool this summer. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've got a city pool, not that far. And it was like 350 bucks for the summer or something. And my wife said, you want to do it? I love my wife for being conscious about money. I'm, yeah, for sure. 300, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just yeah. not that big of a deal. But what I wanted to communicate to my kids was that they got to go to a pool. Cause when I, when I was a kid, I worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> my friends went to the pool. I worked construction. We both came to school with the tan. Yeah. But that's the reality. And so I, they got to go to the pool. So it wasn't like they got to, they had to go through the same circumstance, but they got to hear me talk about at least the difference between what it is that they were experiencing and what it was that I was experiencing. I want to know a little bit about the history. So let's go back a little bit. Obviously you had a successful company that you sold. Tell us like how you got started just in business in general. Give us a little bit of that story of that business. Just catch us up to speed a little bit. Yeah, man. Great. Yeah. So it is, so back in 2013, I was going, I was traveling all around, going door to door. My brother, he owned a marketing company okay. and we got some contracts with some trash companies. And so we would go door to door with them and get people to switch from their current trash company over to the one that we were marketing for. And we had brought, I think it was, we brought Def and Ball Trash Company before they sold the waste management. We brought them 10,000 customers in, in a year. And me and my brother, we were sitting at lunch one day and we were like, 
We're like, what the hell are we doing? We, we know how to get these customers, right. but we don't necessarily know how to pick them up yet. But right. we've always been one that said, just jump in the deep end and just start figuring it out. And so we said, screw it. We knew how to get the customers. We drove down the, the St. Louis. We bought a $6,000 trash truck. Uh, it, it could only go 45 miles an hour. So that <laughs> three hour trip to St. Louis turned into an eight hour trip on the way back. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, our first route had uh, 60 customers on it. I had from June to August to knock doors in Grandview, Missouri. I pulled as many customers as I could for our first route. So our first route had 60 customers on it. And uh, we had that one truck, that truck broke down constantly. We were the ones on the top of it, changing out hydraulic hoses, fixing the pistons and the hydraulic pistons for the, the tailgate to come down the hopper. And uh, so lo and behold, we just kept going. And I really didn't want to travel no more. And that was the basis of creating our own trash company back here in Kansas City. Because I had a, I guess I skipped ahead a little bit. I had a daughter on the way. So the whole pregnancy, I was traveling in came due dates. I didn't want to do that no more. So we started our own trash company and yep. it just, it, yeah, it was, nobody amazing. would have thought to look you're rummaging through the quote unquote trash. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The word, the word, Oh man, I got some story. Yeah. I mean, and the hot summers dumping that being on the back of the trash truck oh, and yeah. driving at the same time. So I drive, right. got my CDL. So I drive the trash truck, I go around to the back of it, dump, dump the it. trash in the hot summers you got maggots falling all over you is this yeah. things that you would do in this industry that most people would turn down they're yeah. like, ah, i'm not doing that i'm not about that but it's just uh even back then it was just a bigger vision that we saw that we weren't going to be on the back of the trash truck the whole time but sure yeah it's just it that's where it all started man and when i sold last year we had thirty-five thousand customers and 52 trucks my brother, he's still doing it. Yeah. Start getting that big, start bringing in investors. And totally. I'm, I'm more of, I've always been a straightforward type guy. I don't like yeah. the, the game, every, everything. Business is a game. But yeah. And I, I, I'm down to play the game to a certain point, but sure. I'm just, a, tell me what you need done. I'll get it done. And yeah. that's how we're all started, man. Just an industry that I never saw myself getting into. Sure. Most people would never get into because of yeah. the, just the work the environment, the industry right. itself. But yeah, it was a, a niche that we saw in Kansas City that was lacking. So we jumped on it and that's all she wrote. That's awesome, man. I just love, I love the story of success. I think that what's obviously inspiring about that, like you just said, it's an industry that most people just wouldn't. Yeah. But I think like, that's just where a lot of opportunity lies. I think entrepreneurship in general is where not a lot of people go. That's yeah. why there's yeah. opportunity, right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't yep. mean that you weren't going to get maggots or get dirty or get hot or get stinky or whatever. It's, yeah. You can still go to that area, whatever industry that we're talking about, there can be opportunity, but it's not handed to you. Exactly. And so I love the story for that angle. I want to know, and you could apply it to either one of these businesses that you've had and, and currently have. I want to know of a good decision that you made in the business that you look back and you're like, that was a staple. It was a foundational decision. What was it? Oh, that's, and I, when I was reading through the outline of this, I, I did a lot of thinking about this. And the one that I always ran back to was, so about three years into the company, we know we saw the growth, we were growing, growing, growing. And then we just, we became stagnant and we couldn't figure out, we were still picking up all the customers. We were still out marketing, getting the customers, but the growth wasn't there. And like, we were just maintaining, we would lose customers, but the customers we'd lose, we'd, we'd gain. And we started thinking about, the structure of the company in a whole. And I think 
where we law where we got lost is we were too focused on ourselves. We were too focused on making sure that we got what we wanted. And I think that's what really hindered us. So when we took a step back and we started focusing on everybody that was involved in the company as a whole, sure. and we started making sure that they got what they wanted, that mm. we took care of them. And then once we started doing that, we realized that, yeah, it was still hard to get people on just hiring anywhere in general. But yep. once we started taking ourselves out of the equation, and we started bringing yeah. everybody else in. We, we the growth was exponential. It was insane how much when you start putting your people at the forefront, what that snowballs into. And I think that was the best thing that we, the best decision that we made is to put ourselves on the back burner because we knew that if we got enough people what they wanted, in the end we'd get what we want. Yeah, I think that was the biggest staple. Yeah, it's an, it's an incredible Zig Ziglar quote as far as helping enough people get what they want. I think the I think a lot of people have heard it. What specifically inside of that were you doing for your trash men, for the folks in the office? Give us some examples there of what you're talking about, putting yourself to the back and putting your people first. Yeah. Whether it's taking a salary or it's making sure that whether the your people needed, they had sick kids or they had doctor appointments to get to, but not holding them to, to a standard, but letting them know that we're, hey, you got our back, we got your back. We're going to, you're not going to lose your job. You're still, we'll, we'll still pay you for the time that you have to, to take off and really just showing them the forefront, going out on the trash trucks with them, being there okay. on the back with them, just being in the equation with them while they're out there in the field, bringing them Gatorade, stopping and bringing them lunch, just anything we can do to keep the morale up. We were huge on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a specific instance, I know uh, it's, it was raining just horrible thunderstorm in the morning everybody was trash trucks breaking down left and right so we got up we hooked up a trailer to one of the back of our trucks and we just started throwing bags in there we had to get the guys out of route and it was just things like that that show your guys and the, and the women that work for you that like man I mean, this guy's out here working harder than i am i gotta step up the game and yeah. once things like that once you, people see that it instills like a harder work ethic in them seeing an example of what you want to be in front of your face helps right. people a lot. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that you're spot on. And for the person listening, it doesn't mean necessarily, you know, that you're the one picking up the trash bag, although don't be afraid of it is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. And I can even relate to that in, in a lot of different of my businesses, but specifically I'm thinking of edible arrangements. I know how to cut the fruit. I know how to dip the fruit in chocolate. I know how to take the trash out. I've washed every single one of my toilets, personally and myself. And it's not a matter of that I couldn't find somebody else to do it. It's sometimes you choose to do those things because it gives an example of what you're talking about. I think that also applies too to mentality. Tell me what you think about this. I'm going to give an example here of something that happened in my business, but I want you to be able to speak on it. It's yeah. the same vein that we're talking about. Valentine's Day is a huge time for edible arrangements as everybody I'm sure can imagine. Thousands and thousands of pallets, not even just strawberries, pallets, thousands of pallets of strawberries. Anyway, oh, wow. um, we've got uh, we've got this crazy week ahead of us that we just got done with. And I have a gal that's uh, answering phones and helping people up front. And she's been doing it for the last three, four, five days. She's a temp worker. And we got done. She said to me personally, she pulled me aside. And she was like, hey, there were so many times where I thought this is nuts. This is crazy. I'm, I can't do this anymore. And then you would pop in. <clears throat> And you'd be carrying several things in and out constantly back and forth. And I didn't know all the things that you got going on. And you would stop and you'd say, hey, how's everybody doing up here? Everybody good? 
Everybody good, good, okay, good. Okay, got a quick question. Okay, good. Like you always had time and then your composure through yes. the entire thing was just like, and so when you left, I thought to myself, with all the things that he has going on, that he's not just managing just this section, but the whole thing, and he's cool, comma, collected, surely I can do it too. How does that resonate? Because it's the same vein of jumping on the back of the truck, throwing trash, oh, right? Oh, yeah. But oh, it's just yeah, mentality. Absolutely. Oh, man, yeah, it's huge. If you, yeah, you got to be, yeah, like I said, you got to be the example that you want everyone else around you to be. And uh, if you start freaking out, everyone's going to freak out. Their people are going to react the way that the one who's in charge is reacting. And uh, yeah, mentality is key. If you can't stay calm, cool, and collected during the craziest of moments, what are you doing? You have lacked somewhere in being able to follow before you could start leading. And I think that was the hugest thing is being able to follow before you lead. That I think that goes into mentality a lot as well. Yeah, no, so true. The humility. Yeah, the humility, yeah. Before yeah. you lead. Love that. Okay. So you gave us a good decision. Give us a bad decision. What'd you do or what have you done, even in the, maybe the new business that's just been like, oh no. Oh man. Yeah. In the past business with the trash company not doing our due diligence and researching trucks before we bought them. Because when we first started, we had to buy a lot of used trucks. Yeah, We made a lot of huge decisions on buying trucks from out of state. And we didn't go down and do due diligence of making sure that what they had on paper was exactly what was going on. Yeah, we wasted twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a truck multiple times because we were we felt we were too busy to do our due diligence on something that an asset that we were gonna invest in and right. it bit us an ass every time. And so we learned from that. So we got to make sure if we're gonna buy an asset that's gonna help us grow, we got to do our diligence and making sure that asset is where it needs to be. That's right. That was on the trash side on and this side, on the auto rental side, one thing I never knew that had never happened to me was I never had a car stolen from me uh, before, and especially out of a gated garage. Sure. Uh, so I had a, was it in April, I had a 2021 Mach 1 Mustang stole from me. Wow. And it had to be a previous renter. It's my fault completely, just because I didn't have the precautions in place that I should have had in place they disabled the gps so now i have all kinds of precautions in place because that was a sixty thousand dollar car gone totaled out and i said they caught me lacking one time and it's never happening again i got yeah. it only takes that one time and i got yeah all kinds of stuff now if they can steal the car now you can keep it because yeah. <laughs> good for you it's yours yeah that's funny. Those are great examples, man. I think of the super practical things that a lot of times we just overlook. We're moving fast. I loved what you said about, we thought we were too busy to do the due diligence on an asset, or that's probably why you hadn't put the precautions in place. You were somewhat new. You're figuring things out. Y'all get to it, whatever. Yeah. And it's not like we can do everything all at once, especially when you're new in business or you're trying to hustle and grind like the listeners are. You can't have, you can't be perfect. You can't be everything in place all the time. But the message there that I think that the listener needs to take away is slow down to speed up. Slow right? down to speed up. Yeah. Sometimes you got to, people always ask me like, man, why did you leave something that you helped build for 10 years? And it wasn't an overnight decision. Sure. It, it took a lot. It took a lot of crying myself to sleep. I'm not scared to say that. It's, it was my baby. I, I built yeah. that thing from the ground up. And, but I just feel like you can only do so much. You can only be so much until you start becoming complacent or comfortable. And once I started realizing I was becoming those things, I have always been one to just 
I know what I'm going to do. I know my mindset and you just guys, I had to do it. I had to make that decision. I had to, like you just said, I had to slow down. I had to take some, some steps back to really find who I am as a business owner to move forward. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think we all transition at some point. I, when I first was buying and building brand new edible arrangements. My target at that point, I want to be the youngest, biggest franchisee, just the stud of the whole system. And uh, 10 years later, I'm not interested in growing that brand anymore. It's not that it's a bad brand. I still own several, but I think that what we don't know in that moment, like what you're saying, it was your baby at that time, but you've transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I, I don't say that to have the listener go, oh shoot, maybe it's time for me to transition out of my business. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is as humans, we mature, we look at things differently. And sometimes the vehicle changes. Sometimes there does yes. need to be an exit and then something new, or maybe just you build up a team. Like I've done in edible arrangements. And a lot of my daily effort isn't necessarily spent there because I've already done that. I've spent the time building up the teams. And then now I can just press into the teams and I get to do other cool, passionate things. Like what, exactly. as in essence, what you've done, you found your passion and you go, how do I turn my passion into a business? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how yeah. do I get nice awesome cars that I would have loved to have had myself and then make money on it. Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when I first sold, I was so scared. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew that I had to do something because I'm all so high strung that I'm always moving. I can't, even when I'm at home right. watching a movie, I'm sitting there, Hey, does anyone want something from the gas station? Oh, <laughs> I always got to just do something. And yeah, it just, yeah, it's crazy. Man. It's being a business owner is constant. It's just constant. Yeah, it is. I want to know about a discipline or maybe a process that you've developed around decision-making. We've talked good and bad decisions. What do you have in place now that you take a decision through? That's a great question, man. And I, I still struggle with this just because I'm, I tend to become a little emotional when it comes to something I care about, just like sure. anyone. But yeah. that's the probably the biggest thing is to separate my emotions from business and make the right decision versus the emotional decision. And so sitting back, getting a, away from the noise, getting away from the problem itself and just thinking, look, running the numbers, doing the analytical research that I need to do to make the best decision possible versus making something off the whim or just because I don't like the way that looks or I don't, or I feel that person is trying to over overstep me type of decision. That's emotion. I'm, I try to step back now and really do analytical research to figure out the best decision possible in the industry yeah. that I'm in. Yeah. hundred percent. I liked what you said as far as being analytical, but you're a guy that's an action taker. You just said you can't even sit still during a movie. So yeah. it's like you, you have both of these things happening at the same time, which is, I think a lot of entrepreneurs take action. And then there's a small few that that are over analytical, right? Mm -hmm. And they're slowing down too much. Analysis paralysis. Yeah. Yes. Probably most of the people listening here today need to slow down maybe a smidge more or schedule what I call thinking time or some sort of a just quiet time. Yeah. And is that what you're saying there to be able to analyze those things, give yourself space to be able to do? Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, like you said, you don't want to be too much analysis paralysis. It's if you sit there and analyze too much, you're not going to do anything. You're no, either that or you're just going to make the wrong decision altogether. It's like, there's never a right time to do something type of thing. It's, you just got to do it. So sometimes you do, you just have to make those decisions. And if it's the wrong decision, you learn from it, you grow. It's like, it's like your seed. Someone throw, you make the wrong decision. I look at it as someone throwing dirt on me. Oh, I can only have dirt on. The only way I'm going to grow is if I have dirt on me. Right. Or trash. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I want to come at you in a couple of different ways here with some speed round questions. Okay. I want you to take your current business, this luxury auto rental business. I want you to dwindle it down into one trackable metric. If you could only track one thing forever and ever, what would it be? Oh man, that's a good question. Honestly, probably, okay. So probably my customer acquisition cost. And I say that just because these cars are, as one, it's a new industry, but these cars are expensive vehicles. And I want to make sure that I'm not just doing a business because it's something I want to do that it's actually going to make me money. So right. I want to make sure my customer acquisition costs and being able to keep the customers. If I could just track one thing, it would just be constantly running numbers, just to make sure that what I'm doing is actually going to profit and I can turn it into something that will be generational versus something I can just build to sell. Yeah, 100%. Love that. Okay. What book would you recommend, Vincent, for a six-figure business owner? One of my favorite books. So, oh, man, that's, can I say three? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you can. So please give us three. My my favorite book is by Jocko Willing and Leif Babin. It's called Extreme Ownership. And great book. I that is by far, I think, my favorite book because it it teaches you that you can make all the money in the world, but until you hold yourself accountable, it that the money is not gonna mean anything. You've got to have character behind it, you've got to have morals behind it, and you've right. got to believe in what you're doing and you got to believe that if something goes wrong you have to be the one to blame in the room if you can start taking that fault you are going to grow so much faster and a lot of people whether they're too proud or whatever the case is everyone has their own thing but once you can humble yourself and realize that i got to make these things to get to where i want to go because something i always tell my kids is you will always have to do what you don't want to do to get to where you want to go and right. that's one thing. The other two is From Good to Great. It's a great book. And then it's a book. I can't remember the guy who wrote it. He is a FBI or CIA agent, yep. retired, but split the difference. Yeah. It's an amazing negotiation book. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another great book. We'll put all three of those in the show notes. But yeah, the great recommendations. What do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? What do I think about it? Oh, it's, I think, uh, if you don't get other people's opinions or uh, just get the way, the outlook of kind of what they see, you're, you're, all you're doing is being closed-minded. Networking is one of the most beneficial things that I've done for myself. I'm actually part of a, uh, a business networking group here in Kansas City that we meet downtown every now and then on top of these, this rooftop bar. And it's really cool. I mean, there's hundreds of business owners there. And yeah. you just get to see whether it's different industries that you never would have thought could have been in business. Or it's just learning just the takeaways that people have of different situations that they were in. Networking is probably one of the most beneficial things any entrepreneur at any level of entrepreneurship that they're at can do for themselves. Yeah, that's a good distinction that it doesn't mean that you have to be at the beginning or uber successful or yeah. somewhere in between. There's, there's benefit value in networking relationship wise or masterminding strategically wise around what's working, what's not in business for sure. Okay. I got a question for you around operations we're getting close to being done here, but if you only had one hour each week to work in your business or on your business, however you say it, what would you do in that one hour to successfully run the business like you do now? I, actually, I was doing it yesterday and I have a checklist and I go through and if I only had an hour to operate each business, I would go through and I have my checklist actually, because I can never remember everything. It's so much, <laughs> but I try to, the first thing I get in, I check 
all like the GP, I check the, the software of the computer, make sure that all the vehicles are in or like where they're supposed to be. There's the operational side. I make sure everyone has their jobs for that day, that everything is, I mean, that, that's a great question. It's so profound depending mm-hmm. on the industry. Yeah, oh, man. That hour I'll get you. Yeah, I'm just really just breaking it down and focusing on the main priority things like your employees, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. If they have any questions, make sure you're answering them. I always tell people, I'd rather you ask the same question a thousand times versus getting it wrong once. Just make sure everyone's taken care of, that they got their jobs, checking the software management, make sure if there's any vehicles that have any maintenance coming, make sure we're getting that done. And just honestly, making sure the customer's yeah, each customer has the same experience, whether it's the first rental of that vehicle or it's the 41st rental of that vehicle. Just make sure that vehicle's intact. It's clean. It's the way it's supposed to be for each experience yeah. of the customer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, experience is everything. Okay, last question here for you, Vincent. If you lost it all, what would you do? And do it again. <laughs> That's <laughs> the general way of putting it. But I, oh man, it's, I don't, I, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm weird in the way that I don't get emotionally attached to assets sure. just because I, I'm i more like a family oriented. So yeah. if I were to lo- lose it all today, I, when I was read this question before this interview, I was thinking about this and uh, I would do, I would just stay on the grind. I would find something else that I was interested in and yeah. just like I'm doing now. And uh, I would not let anybody tell me that I can't do something. Yeah. If you say I can't do something, you're just, you're not even in the same mindset that I am. And you just stay on the grind, man. That's all, honestly, that's really, and everyone's grind is different, right. but just stay on the grind, work hard, never give up. And just know that if you want something bad enough, you can get it. You just got to put in the work. That's right. I love it. How can, how can the listener connect with you? Obviously for folks that are in Kansas city, how can they rent a luxury vehicle from you? Yeah. Where, how can they find you? Awesome, man. Great question. Yeah. So I'm on Facebook at gear auto rentals, G E A R auto rentals, uh, Instagram, same thing gear auto, at gear auto rentals. My website is www.gearautorentals.com. Email to reach out gear auto rentals at gmail.com. So yeah, I got my website, got the email, social media accounts set up. Yeah. I got an office downtown Kansas city. So I'm always available reach yeah. out. I rent, I'm licensed and fully insured now to rent vehicles out through myself. At first I started on that. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but Turo yeah. a yeah, peer-to-peer car rental sharing website. So I started yeah. there, but now I'm fully licensed and insured to do it through myself. That's and awesome. yeah, I'm ready to give all those customers the same experience. Yeah. I am hosting a in-person VIP event at my home for Gathering the Kings Mastermind Group. Okay. In November, we're probably going to need a couple of fun vehicles in the Absolutely. driveway to drive. So we're going to have to connect on that. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your time, everything that you've done in your history, just up to now. I can't wait to see where this new business goes for you and all that you've got your hand to. So blessings to you, blessings to your family and your business. We appreciate you being here. Thanks, Chaz. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. 
and we will see you on the other side.